0: chase thomas Podcast. the chase thomas podcast <laughs> um my he, nephew needs
1: me
2: to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it
1: all right hello welcome back pred's power hour on a friday afternoon just a little over 24 hours from tennessee georgia on a saturday afternoon but we've also got preds we've got everything every sports basically going on right now um and one of those is uh unfortunately the Nashville predators because the Nashville predators uh did not get the memo that the regular season started uh two weeks ago now and uh charlie's unhappy brian's unhappy but brian is on Bally sports he's all over the place it's going well for brian the preds had to die for brian to rise so brian what do you have to say for yourself for the current state of affairs for nashville Um, I'd do it again. No, (laughs) no, no. It's it
0: it does work out that well, too, because, you know, hey, if the the season starts going bad, they're going to start throwing stuff at the wall, you know, Mm. trying to do some new stuff. So, hey, it might might work out. But let's hope because I'd rather I'd rather not have a have to cover a uh, new head coach over the holidays, which, you know, we might be rocketing towards that. So
1: do we think we're going towards that? It's going to be rough
0: because I don't know if David Poyle, because, like, you know, Hines is his hire. He's kind of in his last year. They they upgraded the team. This was not a, you know, retool, rebuild. They, they you know, they upgraded for the most part. And so I think if Poyle wanted to make a move on Hines, he would either have to – he'd either be admitting defeat on that or – it's because he somehow talk, talked Barry Trotz into coming back, which we'll see. <laughs> is that a, that's seriously in play uh, on on Preds, Facebook and Twitter? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Let's he's, he's tagged he's, Tennessee Trotz going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's they've got there's. I think like there's like ten, nine or ten teams that are already talking about him. The Toronto Maple Leafs are talking about him because part of it is, mm-hmm. I think, from what I understand, is that he wants to do something where he comes back as a coach and eventually transitions into a, a GM role. Which cool, I guess, but
1: I don't know. I just rather I not know, have his to last deal name with that doesn't until... really work uh, for the Nashville front office uh, unless he plans on changing his last name to Poyle. I don't right. see the the transition to GM uh, yeah, anytime soon. Oh man, Charlie, so this is this music to your ears, uh what Brian is saying here to kick things off. Uh you're how are you feeling? Do we have a Heinz rant? How how are you at this moment?
2: Well, I know this mm. from having covered Tennessee sports for a long time. Mm-hmm. There is nothing worse than having to cover just a middling team. It is mm-hmm. the it's the worst. You you either want it to be a spectacular implosion or you want it to be Tennessee football this year where it's just mm. greater than your wildest dreams. Or, or like the Predators in, in 17. You want it to be the cup run and the craziness. And all the shine off that cup run is gone. Like, that is the thing of the past. Yep. And you are approaching... I mean, really, last year was probably the real start of it. You're approaching just total mediocrity. You're not spectacularly bad. And so you're like, well, what if we hung on to <laughs> these guys and tried to make it work, but then, you know, nothing actually great is happening. So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think in terms of covering this team, there really couldn't be anything better than replacing Hines, but I think the the problem with that is, you know, who do you, who do you get and does that actually improve anything? Because to me... We need to fire David Boyle. That's the that's the real genesis of the problem, but nobody really wants to talk about that. <laughs> I think lots of people want to talk about that. That's true. That's true. That's it's a matter
0: of just you know, <laughs> there's nothing anybody can do about it except for ownership. So we'll see.
1: When does Haslam officially take over, though? When does he officially? Uh, I think he like...
0: starts the b- purchase process next year, and then just going to mm-hmm. transition into a majority owner after that.
1: Yeah, I don't see Boyle like they're not making that kind of change while going through a ownership transition and probably not, um, I, that seems unlikely. Um, you don't see that very often. You see it like a couple of years or maybe a couple of months after where they meet with the, the GM and they talk about the plan and everything. And they're like, all right, this isn't going to work. Um, we're going to go in a different transition, a uh, different way. Um, mm-hmm. But Ryan, is there an internal option that you like? Is there, a, would you go the Milwaukee route? Uh, is there someone that um, internally? Would be kind of more interesting than a retread like Barry Trotz if it does come to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think there is um, part of the problem with the NHL is is that when they fi- when someone a team fires a coach, they go and look at the group of names of coaches that were also fired either that season or the last, <laughs> and then they go pick from that. That's just mm-hmm. how it works. It's, it's very rarely do you get outside the box. Um, you know, people have heard Carl Taylor's name, the head coach of Milwaukee. He's done a fantastic mm-hmm. job down there. Um, he, he was an assistant coach with the Dallas stars for a while. And so there's a lot of people that are, you know, pretty, would be pretty excited about him, but you know, who knows how, what he does fits, you know, I I, I always feel for AHL coaches because on any given day, you know, one of their players could just be gone and they have to replace them, you know, and they kind of have to also take into account like what the organization wants to see out of them, things like that. I'm sure that there's some level of hands off. You do what you want to do, but we want to see these guys type of a thing. Um, So we'll see how that would, how that kind of work. But I mean, that's kind of one of the most popular names I see out there besides uh, somebody like Barry Trotz. Um, Other than that, uh, you know, usually when coaches get fired, parts of the staff go to. um, And so you never know. I mean, I don't think it'd be one of those things where a staff, you know, an assistant coach takes over as interim could happen, but he's not going to be replacing full time. I mean, this is, this is the NHL. They don't like to make new exciting moves or pick some unproven guy. They want to go in and pick the same retreads over and over and over again.
1: Um, well, with all that being said, it's time for our Jekyll and Hyde segment, Brian (laughs) and Charlie. Um, I don't know what to make of this team at this point. It's very strange. Our Twitter DMs is just the highs of highs, the lows of lows Yep. uh, to this point, because either the sky is falling or it's like, oh, the Preds are back. People forget. Um, Yeah, but let's start with the embarrassing loss to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Brian. I'm gonna yeah. give the positive one to Charlie. We'll, we'll get. We'll ask him about uh, the Calgary one. Let's let's give Charlie some Good happiness uh, here. What did you see in this loss of the Oilers? And is there anything positive that you can take away from this one? Yeah. So, um, you know, they started the game real early with a goal, um,
0: which was which was awesome. I mean, that's something that they had kind of struggled with was getting getting fast starts like that. Um, but this is Edmonton coming into that game. They were had lost seven of the last eight, and in none of those games had they scored more than three goals. The blown win that they had was a three-two win from a shootout. Um, So you know there was they knew coming in that there's there's firepower. I mean, there's Leon Draisaitl, there's Connor McDavid, there's you know just all these guys that can can really wreck Nashville and historically has wrecked Nashville. Uh, so you know coming in they. Kind of lost composure after the first five minutes. They looked pretty solid, mm-hmm. and then just they couldn't complete passes. There was, uh, you know, an ongoing problem has been zone entries. They're just they get held up in the neutral zone. Teams are trapping them in there, and they can't even get the offense set. You know, and after a point when you're not be able to carry the puck in or make a pass in, you're dump it. You're doing the dump and chase where you're just slinging around the end boards and trying to go in and go after it, which is not going to work, especially with a team like Edmonton who's fast. They've got skill players. You know, Edmonton, you know, has a little bit of a weakness with, with goaltending, but when you have an offense like that, you know, you just have to just keep scoring. And, and that's exactly what they did. You know, they struggled on the power play. They did get a goal late um on the power play, which kind of got them out of like 30th place. I think they're sitting at 26th or 25th right now for the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just kind of a rough game for for everybody involved. It was, it was really kind of difficult to watch. I mean, guys that really struggled, Ryan McDonough and Jeremy Lazon, I mean, completely struggled. The, the entire line of, of the fourth line of Cole Smith, Ellie Tolvin, and Michael McCarron just got waxed. I mean, just didn't have, didn't have any, you know, didn't have a single shot attempt on ice, didn't have any, you know, obviously you don't have a shot attempt. You're not going to have any expected goals there. And so, you know, the top line did fairly decently. Um, you know comparatively i guess but i mean everybody including you know roman yosi and dante fabro they just it wasn't there and you could tell that as soon as that first and second goal kind of went in for edmonton nashville's like yeah this here it comes again and it did it you know they got within two a couple of times which was very surprising i think they Trying to remember that. See, they went down after the first there. They went down four three, one, then four, one, then four, two. So they got the four-two. And then uh, I think they were back up at six to or five to three before the last two goals. And so, you know, they they I said this during the game that yes, that this is a team that was expected to do some damage and they were doing some damage. But after that first period, you know, it was still going to be important to see how they closed it out because either they could lay down and just take it. And that's going to be kind of what they what they want to see themselves as a team or they could sit there and try to fight back. And they did give them credit. They did try to. But, you know, again, like when you're just out out talented, you can't there's not much you can do about it unless your goaltender has a an amazing game. But, you know, poor UC Saros is doing pretty much everything he can still not quite as good as he could be, um, but he's kind of known for struggling to
1: start the season. So we'll see how that turns out on the flip side. They had a great win against Calgary Flames. Also this week, um, there were some roster shakeups. Um, we had some new starts. We had Philip Forsberg doing what he is uh, known to do, which is play very good hockey. Uh, Charlie, what did you make of that one? On the flip side of the best of what we've seen from the Preds this year. So
2: I only got to see, uh, the first, about halfway through the second period, so half the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I so I looked at the highlights after and NHL.com. I went back and looked at this exact headline because I I saw it and I was just like, oh. Mm. So it was a good win. Mm. This was the headline: <laughs> Forsberg and Predators defeat Flames for second win in nine games. Mm. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. don't frame it like that. <laughs> yeah. Good win. Mm-hmm. Color me skeptical. Um, yeah, the roster shake is with the Guinea. Actually, Brian messaged into our our group message and was like, "Oh, look at these scratches." And then they brought mm-hmm. up kind of some of these new dudes. And um, J- Jankowski scores the first goal. Like what? Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, this Forsberg is is a star and and played the way that he's supposed to play, and that's awesome. And you know, you kind of watch that game and you go like, "Hey, guys." what if we did this every night, you know, (laughs) like, how about (laughs) like, why can't this be a more consistent thing? Uh, And that, I mean, that's my main takeaway is just like, where, where is this when you're getting absolutely skull drugged by freaking Edmonton and, (laughs) and you can't just do the same night in and night out. And it's, I mean, that's kind of been a defining feature in, in recent years is just inconsistency and, and, it kind of goes along with that, but like, uh, it, it's almost more, more than refreshing to see. It's almost more frustrating to see. Cause you just go like, come on guys. It's in there. We got Roman Yossi. We got Philip Forsberg. We got some decent young talent here. What are we doing? What are we, when we go out and play Edmonton, what is that? What, what in the hell are you doing on these other nights when you can pull this out of your hat? So right. that was my main feeling. I think <laughs> <laughs> just but, can't please you, huh? Uh, I'm I'm happy to see them win. It is always nice. I'm never gonna be like, no, that was a bad win. There's no such <laughs> thing as a bad win, right? But it's yeah, you 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 really do look at it and you just go like, well, what are we doing on these other nights, guys? Come on, play like this more consistently. Mm-hmm. But and I I would throw it to Brian here. Why is this not <laughs> more consistent? And this was with Langdon in the net too. Mm-hmm. Not even Soros. So what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, so
0: there was there was a lot of differences. Obviously, I expected this game to be maybe not on the same level as Edmonton, but Calgary's a, going to be a good team. You know, they reloaded. They you know went out and got Jonathan Huberto, which I think was a really underrated you know move there. And Nazem Kadri came over from Colorado. Um, they've already had you know, Andrew Manchepan. They, they they had done the right things. Uh, Mackenzie Wieger is as defenseman, that I absolutely love, and I think that they ended up actually doing looking all right uh, losing Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, You know, they still have Tyler Toffoli, who's fantastic. Um, You know, so I expected this to be another game where the the skills wouldn't match up. But watching the game, one, Calgary was playing very physical and they were playing a lot of hockey that looked a lot like what the Predators do. A lot of like heavy forechecking. You know, they were struggling with transitions, too. Um, and I think Nashville knew how to handle that. Um, hmm. As far as because if they're gonna, you know, if you're gonna do a game where you're gonna want to try to be physical, Nashville's gonna do a pretty good job of keeping up with you or or beating you at that game. Um, and but you know, I think there there's something to be said. So I mean, the guys that were were scratched. I mean, Ellie Tolvanen, Cody Glass. You know, they're both out. Uh, you saw Mark Jankowski come in. You saw Jordan Gross come in. Dante Frab- Fabro was a healthy scratch, which is surprising. So Jordan Gross comes in and s- plays his first game for the Preds with Roman Yossi on the top pair. Um, and, by the way, absolutely killed it. Him and Yossi did a mm-hmm. fantastic job. Um, so, I mean, it was it was interesting. You saw some, some shakeups in the lines and things like that. But that top line, the herd line, the third line, like they they stayed mostly the same. They're just, you know, shuffling, shuffling around with the rest of them. But they played a complete game. Um, you know, they were pretty good on the power play, still very good on the penalty kill. Um, I think they're up to sixth in the NHL on the penalty kill, which is pretty fantastic. Um, it's they're never good at both at the same time ever. It's only one or the other. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, why pen- is that? Um, I think that when you get a group that's kind of clicking at what they do, so for like, you know, like a penalty kill, you've got guys on this roster who are built, you know, you've got Matthias Ekholm, you've got Tanner Janot, you've got Yakov Trenin, there's Colton Sissons, who's, you know, a really good defensive forward. You've got those guys that are there to slow them down, try to try to stop them. You're going to have a couple of defenders maybe. And so uh i think that in this group the group is better set up to kind of push that out because with the power play you know you're going to want to you're going to let them take some shots if you let them get in the zone but you want to try to push them out you're going to try to decrease that quality of what they can get and nashville's pretty good at that you know they had movement on the power play unlike nashville uh but they just really couldn't get it going now they did you know i think they were a little bit snake bitten and just couldn't couldn't finish but I mean, mm-hmm. and had several outstanding saves. He's looked pretty good so far. I think he's two and one now on the season. Um, so, so that was good. And then again, I think the coaching decisions to match that top line against Calgary's top line was was dead on. Um, you know, they I think when they were both on the when both of those lines were on the ice, there was about six six and a half minutes at five on five and shot attempts was 11 to 3 for Nashville. I think they allowed they ended up getting six shots on goal with to just two. So that's, you know, Kadri Majerpain, Huberdo, two shots on goal. You know, they had like a 96% or something expected goal rate. Like that's mm. just it's one of those where they completely shut them down and they took away their strength and they struggled with depth i mean that's that's the thing with calgary is you know they've got some guys down the middle but outside of you know tyler foley like you don't want milan lucic playing 12 and a half minutes for your team like you don't want that nobody does um mm-hmm. and so you know i think that they matched up well and i think that was that was kind of the way that they you know made probably a coaching win right there i you know you can't sit there and say that a guy like Jankowski was going to come in. Granted, Jankowski absolutely killing it with Milwaukee. Leading scorer down there. He's been on fire and picked right back up. But, you know, you're not always going to sit there and say, I'm going to plug this guy in and this guy in, you know, and expect them to be a certain way. But th- it worked out for them. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do. They've got Vancouver tomorrow night at like eight. Mm. Um, Vancouver is awful, but they just won a game last night, eight to three. So who knows um you know they're one of the teams i can say that i think you know currently is in a worse place than nashville so Mm -hmm. we'll see but you know it's just you know they did something they couldn't do last the, the game against edmonton which was shut down you know the star power which yeah we can go into that later about edmonton star power but Yeah, they just they had no answer for for any of those guys. I mean, Evander Kane gets a hat trick like couldn't have happened to a worse person, Um, you know. And so it's it's not great, but they just it was two different games. Edmonton's fast and Nashville struggles to keep up with that. And I think we'll see that again uh, when they play Colorado
2: next week. Mm. Don't talk about it. Let's not. (laughs) (laughs) That, That game's not actually happening, please. Nah. I think they're TV tied off. in the standings
0: right now with nine points because Colorado's only played two two less games than them. But you know they're not sitting at the top of the Central like everybody thought immediately. That is true.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, but I yeah o- overall, I, don't, I didn't really have anything to say there. I was just going to interject if you were going to move on to something else, Chase. But I yeah I don't want to sound bitter at this point. I just want I just want something to actually happen. That mm. it. It goes back to my original point of being like, the last thing you want to see is just mediocrity. Just the
1: Preds like, are getting, a, do getting something. a... The Preds are getting a pass from Charlie because of what's happening with the Vols right now. He's not mad because like if the Vols were struggling and then the Preds are playing like this, I think everyone in Tennessee is uh, significantly more frustrated right now. I, uh, did,
2: I did say if... If other sports in Tennessee have to suffer for the Vols to flourish, then mm-hmm. I said that to Joe
1: Rex road the other night. Yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah. the Titans, for whatever reason, the devil magic of Derrick Henry just never, yeah just they, never going away. They use while they've been mad about every Sunday, it. and they keep winning. And you knew they were going to win the AFC South, and you're going to hate every minute of it.
2: They they ground the Texans down into a fine little pace there. That that def, the defense that's Super Bowl defense. The offense, on the other hand, is Derrick Henry, and that's all. Yeah. But you know, Derrick Henry is one of the greatest
1: running backs to ever play
2: football. So that's something something like
1: that. Yeah. Brian, you tweeted about the road trip coming up though. So what are the, what, like, what is your best case scenario for this, the remainder of this West coast road trip? And like, if, how will we know that things are really just too far down the, down the line where it's like, things have to be, we have to reevaluate what we think of this team and we need to make some adjustments. Like what's the record look like for you?
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, so I think, you know, I think they are going, they're going into this with the expectation to get three points out of these next three games. So I think that they're expecting to win against Vancouver and if they can get, if they can get a loser point from probably Seattle, then Mm. they'd be in good shape. Now, again, Vancouver, they're also a bad team. They had a good game last, you know, they weren't Nashville also had a great game. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but I think they should be still they should still be better than Vancouver. Um mm-hmm. Seattle's very good this year. Seattle's fantastic. Um the goaltending's getting pulled together, like they're just they're putting it together and they're looking like a well-oiled machine. You know, I think that they're not quite that top tier of teams yet, but they are going to be very difficult and Nashville's gonna struggle. I mean, again, they started their first game in Seattle history was a win at, you know, a win against Nashville, and so you know, we'll see, but that's going to be a real big one because again, you go into the Colorado game, you can game plan all you want. You can do it. it you're just going to have to find the right formula to beat a team like that. Cause you can't go in there and give, you know, give a half ass performance and still end up with the win because your goalies is taking, you know, saving you, you can't do that with Colorado. And so, you know, it's, I'd say if they can't walk away with at least two points out of these three games, then that's where you're going to hit that point of there's there's some big decisions that have to be made. They come out with two, three. I mean, that's that's a win for me. I mean, especially getting two against Calgary. I mean, I didn't expect that to happen. So I was worried that they were gonna go completely winless on this trip. And, you know, had they done had they not won last night and then lost to Vancouver, things might be moving quicker than we all expected.
1: Oof. Um, is there a chance they go winless the the rest of the way? Do is there a chance in terms of the road trip? Is there a chance, a plausible yeah. chance? Yeah, There's I mean, Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver
0: still has some good guys. I mean, they got Eli- Elias Pettison. They've got Bo Horvat, who's got 10 goals now. Um, you know, they've got guys on that team. It's, you know, their goaltending is absolutely sinking them. But, you know, if it just becomes a shootout, who knows if Nashville can keep up? So, I mean, I, I think the probability is low still...
1: Nashville. Is it Jekyll or is it high? Because sometimes exactly they can keep right. up with it. Sometimes they absolutely have no shot. Yeah. I mean,
0: hey, I mean, you look at it, it's two, you know, two games this week. One game, you know, Leon Dreisaitl comes in, has another bonkers game. I mean, listen to this stat. So, <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl, I just I had to wedge this back in because it's just insane to me. So, mm-hmm. Leon Dreisaitl has played 21 games against Nashville, mm-hmm. 21 games. He has 20 goals nine assists he has 29 points in 21 games that's insane that is absolute domination they are one and eight against them you know in the last like nine games that they've played i mean dry is just it seems like every year when I, I went to go search for that tweet from the other night and i searched you know my name and, and dry Sidle. and i just saw like the past like five games where the tweets being like yeah it's dry again i mean just he's <laughs> it's i i haven't really dug and dug and looked but like it's that's a kind of domination you see by a player over one team that you really don't see very often. I mean, famously, like Connor McDavid was always talked about how he hated playing Pecorino because Pecarine was a very good goalie. And so he just never had good numbers against Pecorino. Uh, you know, even McDavid has a weakness every once in a while. But, you know, that's just a guy to come in and just consistently get you, you know, two goals you know, you give up a three to Evander Kane, like it's just, it's rough. It's real rough. And so, you know, you have that on Edmonton, but then, you know, you come back and you have Philip Forsberg setting a new franchise record, another one uh, with this 42nd game winning goal, which he did in almost half the time David Leguan did to break that tie. So I think David Leguan was like 960 something games and Phil's done it in 550. So, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous, but he's did that. You know, he hit another post, which leads all the, everybody in the team so far with, you know, hitting the crossbar. The, you know, like I said before, he did a great job with um, with that top line for Calgary. But, you know, it, it, it's just who you're going to get. You know, are you going to get Phil Forsberg if you can't stop a guy? if you can't stop those high powered guys then you got to start scoring more and i think F- Forsberg i said it early in the game Forsberg was the guy that throughout all of this has never looked bad this this stretch i mean like he could be doing better and you expect your big your stars to to try and do a little bit more but if you watch him play every shift like he's constantly moving he's constantly rushing trying to do something creating something even though he's got nothing to pass to a lot of the time and so if there's anybody that you know doesn't deserve any of the the bad the bad juju, bad karma that's come with this team and how they played, it it's not Phil Forsberg because he's been the best player on the team by far.
2: I think it feels like to me like they just don't have a dude. I don't know that they really have had a dude that just has a legit killer instinct. Like just track you down, step on your throat, you know. Be that dude out there Forsberg should be I feel like he has the skill to be and he's just not I mean it's kind of like Yossi too he has that skill to be that dude and he's kind of mild-mannered like he he plays obviously plays extremely tough on the ice but he's not like they just don't have that just like drag this team behind them like murderer out there that they've that it feels like they need, and I, I lay, I lay that on Poyle if, if you even agree with me at all, but I just, I just don't, maybe I'm coming from it more as somebody who covers football and, and mm-hmm. basketball. And that's something that's really a concept in those two sports. Mm-hmm. You know, you, when you really get guys like that, we, we call them dogs. Yeah. You have, you want somebody pr- with pr- that dog in them is pr- what pr- we're learning. They pr- just here. don't have that dog. They don't have a dog out there. They just don't. Mm. Like I, I love Forsberg, love Yossi. They just, they're not dogs. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong.
1: How many are available in the league, though? I feel like there aren't a That's lot. That's true. Guys They're few and far there.
2: between. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, it's not everybody. I would argue that both Yossi and Forsberg were those guys last
1: year, and Forsberg started mm. out on that path. Yosi struggled a little bit more. Uh, maybe but... it's Jankowski. Many are saying Jankowski is yeah. the the dog in waiting. Many well, last saying...
2: year. Last year was in terms of how everybody played offensively. That was as close to that as I've seen them be. It just wasn't a complete team. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And they still they just don't have like the speed to keep up with those top teams, anything like that. So,
1: well, does Jankowski make sense for this team right now? Brian, would you throw him into this and just be like, all right, fix some stuff for us? Or would you rather him keep uh, lighting it up in Milwaukee? What would you do? I mean. I'm pretty sure I'd have to
0: double check now that you've asked that one. um I'd have to check to see if they can send him back down or not uh, hmm. without going through waivers. I'm gonna. Oh, come on! I don't need to look at. Yes, I know. It's. <laughs> it's. I'm getting ad blocker stuff trying to just look up cap friendly, which I've never seen. So, um, but yeah. So like with him, like he's been great. We know what we can. He can do in the AHL. He's he's not a new guy. He's been mm. around for a while. Um yeah he's born in 94 that's how you know um so he's he's been around he's not waiver exempt so you know if they send him back down he's going to be exposed to you know every other team and someone will probably take him so i get the feeling he's going to be there um you know i don't mind keeping him in the lineup he was fantastic he played it looked like he was just playing the exact same game that he played uh in milwaukee you know he's he's a guy who's strong with the puck he's always looking to create rebounds he's always got eyes in the back of his head as far as like distributing out you know and so he's a guy that yeah i definitely like to see in there now do we want to keep cole smith michael mccarron in the lineup I, I don't know what blackmail cole smith has uh on the coaching staff to continue doing this he's had like five opportunities to get like a, an easy goal and hasn't converted a single one um those guys probably don't i mean i don't know that we needed to that you know i still don't know agree to know if i agree with Tolvin and glass sitting maybe one of them if you had to and you know the Fabro decision was was odd to me but it worked out you know you'd want to get those guys kind of rotated back in and if there's people that you want to you want to push down or, or start scratching yeah i mean there's cole smith there's michael mccarron like you don't those guys aren't they're great they were great in the game like that yesterday but they're still not going to produce a ton for you. I mean, they yesterday was the exception, I think, for that bottom line. You know, it was the exception and it'll work in those these types of games, but not, you know, the ones going forward as much. So, yeah, Jankowski's look good. Um, You know, there's always Tomasino. Tomasino's had a great you know, he's got six goals down there. He's had a really great time. So as you so Parson in those were kind of the three guys that everybody was like, yep, those are one of those three are going to be the one to to come back up after, you know, Sherwood got sent down. So. There's 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 that guys there's you know guys that do have that dog in them down there with Milwaukee and so you know it's a matter of asset management now you know every t- now if you want to send somebody down you got to expose them and I don't think people are going to be beating down the door to go get Cole Smith or Michael mccarran so you've got some choices you know
1: um, yeah and look we're eleven games in. They're mm-hmm. around. They're flirting with five hundred. The playoffs are not out of reach. I mean, this team. Remember, last year barely snuck in. <laughs> they barely snuck in the playoffs. It's kind of about exactly where they were a year ago, mm-hmm. um, just with a little bit less consistency and not it. Like you said, uh, Brian. I mean, Yossi and Forsberg uh, just looked different last year. Forsberg's been the best player this year, but Yossi's still trying to come out. And we thought last week that Yossi was turning the corner, and mm-hmm. he's talked about it where he thought he was figuring it out and it's like oh well, maybe not maybe maybe he hasn't uh completely turned the corner but i think there is room for like all right we'll see the, how the rest of this road trip goes get the three points like you said and then see what happens the rest of december and then the new year i think is when we really start figuring out all right what is yeah. this team because i don't i don't see like a huge they have to me vets i don't see a huge fall off i don't think this is going to be one of the worst teams in western conference i think The worst case scenario for the Preds right now is kind of Charlie's concern, which is they're just going to be mired in mediocrity uh, for Mm -hmm. the next month and a half. I I don't see a path to them, barring crazy injuries, I don't see a path to them uh, really imploding and becoming the Vancouver Canucks or being uh, one of the worst teams in uh, Western Conference. Do you share that sentiment?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there is too much talent. I think if you've got UC Saros healthy, I think you're going to be a better team than, you know, if not, I think goaltending makes up a ton of your, you know, how a team does. And there's guys that are just, there's a lot of people that just have cold sticks right now. And I don't think that that's going to last. I mean, a lot of these guys are producing and they're getting the chances they're just not converting yet. Um, Schematically, I think it's part of the reason why they've been so limited because it's hard to get opportunities. Like I said, power play just, Nobody moves on the power play, and it drives me insane. Like, yes, they scored one yesterday, last night with it, but it was a Yossi, you know, bomb from the blue line that just happened to get, you know, there was a screen in front, which is good, that's what you want, but it wasn't because the power play was operating efficiently. I, mean, I think there was two power plays where they didn't even, they didn't spend more than a second, two seconds, in the offensive zone before it got cleared back out. You know, that type of thing. You've got players, you should, if you've got a, a top power play unit, if you've got Yossi, Forsberg, Duchesne, Johansson, Grandland, You know, you should be doing better than that. And the fact is, is that the power play just doesn't move at all. And so that the other teams just let them pass around the outside all day long. They're Like, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and do it because these two guys are not moving down by the net. And so, yeah, we don't really have to account for them that much. So it's they're not bad, bad, I don't think. But I would have said that before the season started as well. So who knows? I think these these next three games will be a good test you know, to see how you, they think they're going to go, you know, past that road trip, but the schedule is not going to get easier, you know, soon, you know, it's, this is the NHL. You play everybody a bunch of times, you know, you have to, you've got to step it up. You've got to find, and I hate to say this because this is the Heinz bingo word, but you have to find that identity and what it is that you do
1: do well at. Mm. And I think Nashville's still trying to figure that out. Mm. Well, we shall see what ultimately happens on that front. Um, we we'll end on Brian's favorite part of this very program: trivia time. Uh, Brian, what do you have for us today?
0: Yeah. So real quick, so we're going to talk a little bit of geography, I guess, if you want to call it that. So, mm. uh, following up with Milwaukee, they did start the season 0 and 2, I believe, and now they are up to five two and one, I believe. Mm. Uh, 5, no, just five two and zero. Okay. Um, they have gone up to second place in the Central Division there, which is great. They're doing well. They're scoring a bunch of goals. Askarov has been playing pretty well. Devin Cooley's played very well. Um, Side note, Connor Ingram has been, had a little bit of rough going in Arizona. He got pulled last night, but I think that's not necessarily all his fault. Um, But Milwaukee's the AHL affiliate for Nashville. The trivia question for you guys is, either one of you, name one of Nashville's past ECHL affiliates that's the second level under there and we have talked about one of them on the show and you can't say the Athens one either
2: I remember when we did and I don't remember what it was I'm gonna be I'm completely blank because I don't yeah I don't know
1: I have no idea yeah Uh,
0: so most recently it was the Florida Everblades mmm Rich, cool okay. name. Um, then you know, I also thought they were going to follow that up with, you know, maybe getting an affiliation with the uh, the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, which would have been amazing. Oh. Um, and
1: for the folks at home, not fam- not uh, getting the joke, Everblades is like Everglades, mm-hmm. which is something you find oh. in Florida. It's a it's a play on Everglades. Yeah, it's, it's down in, Yeah,
0: it's down mm-hmm. in one of those. Uh, it's down in one of those areas of. Let's see, where are they down in? I'm
1: guessing Fort Lauderdale, right?
0: I believe that's right uh yeah I think that's that's correct I don't know why it's I Do you know what's weird it. is
1: I think I've seen in person the Gwinnett Gladiators or now the Atlanta Gladiators uh-huh. versus the Florida Everblades more than any other hockey game I've ever seen in my life like oh, I i you go. I've seen I've been in person for those two matchups more it's preposterous I remember there was a, a running point in my life where I was like Everblades again is this is this all we're playing right now and you got is cheap tickets just... yeah is that it yeah is that it whenever i go to a smokies game it's all uh, like well i make sure to go to at least w- the mississippi brave series but um when it's not them it's always uh the not the trash pandas which my wife always wants to go to she wants some trash pandas work, mm-hmm. uh, which who i think uh ben joyce is now a trash panda so huh. even more of an incentive um the flame throwing ball legend ben joyce uh i'm trying to figure out who to oh barons uh the, the birmingham barons is always mm-hmm. either, yeah. so. Yeah, so yep, and before
0: that actually, and it's a weird story and I don't know all those things, but it was the Norfolk Admirals, which they had like a long Mm. relationship and then just quit. Mm. Um, And so right now they're using them as kind of their temporary dumping spot for players, Mm. uh, like Thomas Fomaca, a handful of other guys to go there. But like we said, well, was it like months ago? It seems like at this point that I think they're gearing up for, for that team in Athens to be their affiliate. So We'll see, but I just wanted to see you know
1: Chattanooga, Knoxville. What are we doing? Don't put him in Athens. What are we doing? No Athens. Speaking of Athens, week of all weeks.
0: Speaking of Athens, though, this is my segue to be able to talk
1: a little bit. (laughs) Balls by ninety.
0: Yeah, I.
1: I'm, Charlie is just gearing up go Brian before
0: Charlie explodes I feel better about like this not because of like I feel better about their chances but I know that there's still paths you know like Charlie said on his various shows that I've watched this week there's various there's <laughs> paths for Nashville for Nashville for for Tennessee even if they lose this week and so you know I'm not as nervous and I think I've braced myself that you know it's not a bad thing to lose to the number one team in the country hold on we're number one how are we doing losing
1: to ourselves nah, i'm thinking about api losing to the ap
2: number one team in yeah well,
1: it, it, we are a cfp only program many people forget that um no number one versus number three and also noted no number three has ever made the college football playoff who started at number three in the first ranking so georgia oh. would be the first to do that um no one's ever no. done it six teams have done it at number one six teams have done it at number two none at number three, the yeah,
2: only one team about. has ever missed that started out at number one. Yeah, it was Mississippi State. It that makes a lot of sense.
0: One. Yeah, um, do you think that they're going to be able to, conf- you know, confuse Kirby Smart with you know some of their stack packages and
1: stuff like that? that they yes. I don't even using. think it's confusion. I don't think I they have a choice. Don't.
2: I I think Tennessee is going to go for 500 yards in this game. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: I. But it's about scoring the the football because I. At least what Georgia did last year, they Tennessee threw for almost like 400 yards in that game, um, yeah. or it was like it was like three, three twenty or something. Then we ran for like 60, but they they let Tennessee kind of get onto the Georgia side of the field, and then they crunch down. It's kind of like Tennessee's mm-hmm. defense actually this whole season. They've sort of done that. They sort of let you throw on them, and then when it gets down near the red zone, they start pulling more into man and pressing you more. Mm-hmm.
1: And shout out to Nico Slaughter.
2: It, it's big time um but uh they got to convert those points man it's all it's a, all about those points your tennessee on the season scores 10 more points a game than georgia it's like nine um and yeah i mean you got to convert to like to me if this was in neyland stadium this is a better matchup than than alabama to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, that road thing is that's the whole. Well,
1: Alabama too. Like people have just gone completely off the deep end with Alabama, where it's just gone too far the other way. Where it's like this is not this Alabama team. Is just not very good. It's like Alabama's given up 15 total touchdowns this year. <laughs> Seven were to Tennessee. Yeah. So the out the, the <laughs> Give me a break. The yeah, Georgia folks who are like, you're not going to be able to do, like 52 is not a possibility. I'm like, I think Georgia has to score. Like they scored 41 last year. I think they're going to have to score to feel okay. They need to be thinking 50 because it's mm-hmm. just a different situation. Remember, Tian Evans was not available for that uh, Georgia game. He was already gone from the team, so the running back room was thin, um, and he was a big part of, obviously, the Mizzou game and everything else. I I don't think Georgia, with their dudes in the backfield, are going to be able to run up middle Tennessee's number two in Rush defense in the conference. I think the this is how we'll know which way this game's going. If Stetson finds someone not Ladd McConkey deep, on a couple just burning Tennessee over the top, kind of what Tennessee does every week with Jalen Hyatt, Then I'm like, "All right, this is this is it." Like if Stetson's hitting those throws, like the big one in the National Title game that he had AD Mitchell on the corner, yeah. uh, to bring them back to life. If Stetson's hitting those bombs, then we're in trouble because Tennessee hasn't given up those all year. And ten- Georgia, I think is like uh 12th in the SEC and uh 40 plus yard passing plays and Tennessee's one. They have I think 19 40 plus yard plays. That's insane. I- that's happening against Georgia. Georgia fans, you think that's not happening on Saturday? It's just I would, I would, out of your mind. It's happening. I would put
2: it this simply with Georgia's offense: if you punt mm-hmm. four times, you're doomed. Yeah, you're done. I like I. I think if you have that little success on offense, which that's a decent amount of success. I mean, punting four times in a game for a regular sort of slower plotting offense like they have, like that's not gonna end you in most games. But if you punt more than three times in this one tennessee they just capitalized too many times you'll right. you'll be down if you punt on your first two possessions you'll be down 14 to zero <laughs>
1: like, people are saying just... like they're gonna have their hooker and what's gonna happen when he has real pressure on him like alabama has a better oh, pass rush than yes. Georgia this year it's not but even Nolan a question Smith is out
2: their, their top pass rusher is out in this game Like will they, anderson and
1: acting... dallas turner were on the edges for the game in knoxville and will anderson yeah. made no impact what are we if talking they, about?
0: If they want, if they want to send send a bunch of guys after Hooker to to
2: just you know, great. We're hitting work. you on a screen, oh, and I'm then the
1: he's top. going the distance. Like, yeah. Oh good God. luck with that. Yeah, good luck with they're,
2: that. They're overconfidence in in mm. this defense. It's like it's it's the same the same thing on both sides of the ball. There, Georgia is not the same defense as last year, and Tennessee's mm. offense is not the same. Do every Georgia fan that I've had like a decent interaction with this week they're like well last year we did mm-hmm. have you looked at the stats this season you dummy like, yeah. like dude go look at what this offense is doing are you that ignorant have you not
1: watched this team play
2: they put seven touchdowns on Alabama
1: yeah. seven and again Alabama better defense than you the reason Alabama is <laughs> down a little bit on stats from Georgia is just because they've played Tennessee and Georgia hasn't yet like that's the reason yeah Alabama's looked at as a one, two defense in the country right now. If you remove the Tennessee game,
2: they gave up like 600 yards of, I don't know how much it was, but still like something 500 to 600 yards of offense, Tennessee. That's the one reason that they don't look pristine. My main thing
1: is I don't want this to come down to a field goal again because McGrath missing the extra point. Mm. I I still, I tell folks, I'm like, I have no idea how he got that in. Like we are so fortunate that we'll never (laughs) just him knuckleballing that uh, kick through the upright. It it got tipped. I'm pretty sure it got tipped. I mean, he. I, if this game comes down to McGrath again, I just I don't think lightning strikes twice. I'm I'm terrified of that situation. I don't want to be in a situation where it's a kicking uh, situation. for Tennessee. It felt
0: very that Alabama game and that that their missed field goal and how they mismanaged. Mm. It was very Clint Sterner like to me. Mm. Yeah, um, where like you can't count on that ever happening ever again. Well, I thought it was
1: over the fumble. Like I really thought the the mess up on the RPO. Mm -hmm. small and the miscommunication and the fumble in the end zone was like oh there it was that that was it i my heart sank at that moment but anyone who like they that's a different tennessee team a year ago and if if people talk about the second half of last year it's like that's not how it's going to go georgia like tennessee ran out of bodies in the second half against georgia last year they're not going to run out of bodies tomorrow if if
2: georgia actually stops this offense I will give them all of the credit they figure out a way to do that without, you know, hooker going down with injury. Like yes. every, every bit of credit to Kirby Smart. I will go Kirby Smart is an excellent, excellent coach. Cause the greatest guy to ever do it in the modern era was dumbfounded. He had no idea what to do. Yeah, it, And it didn't even like to a certain extent, there's almost no having an idea what to do there. Cause there's just, in some instances, there's like, no stopping it. You get caught with the tempo or whatever. And they just kill you. So, if, dude, if they can do that, I'll give I have it up. one
0: last question for you, t- you experts here. Mm. And I'm gonna tell you my prediction first. Like, I, I want a, b- a breakout player that's gonna have a great game. That's not Hooker. That's not, you know, the-, the usual suspects. I think it's gonna be Brew McCoy. I think this is his game. I think he's gonna he's gonna get 70, 80 yards and a, a score, maybe two. I mean, I think that they're gonna be keying in on the other guys. I mean, Romel Keaton, I love him to death.
2: Uh, but I just I just see I see Brew having a, a real good game. Brew is probably like- the most it, outside of speed. He's probably the most physically gifted receiver Tennessee has. I think he's more physically gifted than Cedric Tillman. Tillman is just more set in and mm-hmm. and knows the system better and just is he's a little quicker probably. But like, yeah, dude, Brew with the ball in his hands, he's he's a yak monster. He's really mm-hmm. great.
1: I mean, so. Jalen's going to score. Like the idea that Jalen, who just has already broken Mark and Na- Marcus Nash's record, uh, uh, we're on November 4th. And it's just, you're not containing Jalen Hyatt. Like it's not, yeah. you need to accept that you're going to give up a couple bombs to Jalen Hyatt. That's going to happen. Cause George, I mean, they're, Jan- Dan Jackson's out uh, for this game too, over the top. Like George is going to give up a couple of those bombs. Like just understand that Jalen Hyatt is going to score and he's not really an obvious suspect. I think it's going to be. Either a Denico Slaughter again, where it's like maybe he has turned the corner. Um, Stetson had two picks last week. I think that's the difference. If they have that week again where Stetson throws two picks against Tennessee, it's a math game that you've given mm-hmm. up too many possessions against Tennessee and you cannot afford to do that. Kentucky was staring at that where they're like, oh, three scores against Tennessee, like that's too much for our defense. Like that's doesn't matter what kind of style we're playing, it's over. Um, Tennessee will bury you with math. They will bury you with possessions. And they're like, all right, fine. Like we'll punt once, but that's it. Like there's a really good piece on Paxton Brooks not punting. Like they're going to be aggressive and it, it's just a, they're going to keep coming. If Hooker gets blindsided on one play and fumbles into the end zone and Georgia score. Guess what? That's not, they're not going into a shell. They're going to no. immediately be like, all right. Uh, Jalen Hyde over the top. First play out of the, like, we're not scared of this. We're not going to be shaken by this. Uh, many people forget that Nealon's louder in Sanford Stadium and not all that uh, <laughs> not all that scary but um, I don't know I think I'm going to go <sighs> whoever plays star if it's Wesley Walker if it's Tamarian McDonald if it's Danico slaughter whoever plays the star spot this week and gets the most snaps and has to cover Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington a lot mm-hmm. I think that's like the un- under talked about is like what if they make a couple plays? like what if they yes. shut down or not even shut down because I don't think that's possible limit of those two guys
2: i think it's in that scenario it's got to be a duo though like Mm. like byron young is hurrying stetson bennett and he under throws the ball to brock bowers and it's picked off yeah i I think it's gonna be because just i mean brock Bowers is like nine feet tall he just is gonna stand over all Mm. of our quarterbacks and just (laughs) grab the ball over their head yeah (laughs) but um yeah i I think it's got to be a duo there i i would go in this one because I think this is probably the most important. Like I, th- I think Tennessee's offense is going to get theirs. I think it's thirty-five plus. Mm. But I, I, I go one of the edge rushers. I think it's it's Byron Young because you you put Stetson Bennett on his butt, put them behind the sticks, get them to punt the ball. Like I said, that's where you win this game. So.
1: There you go, go balls! I like it. I like it. Um, Brian Bally Sports on the TV waves. You've got uh, on the FourCheck.com Renegades a puck. What uh, can the good folks check out from you and uh, all the different places you're popping up? TV, radio, on the websites. What? What can the yeah. good folks check out from you?
0: As usual. So uh, did did the video with been doing those videos with Renegades a puck. We're taking about a ten day break, so the old cap can go. He's doing something. I don't know, but I don't have to stay up and do record a game. So that's. You know, a nice little break, but I know I'm going to miss it. Um, I've got a couple articles in the books. We're going to be getting our our new our new hires at, at OTF, getting set in here shortly. Um, there's a lot, you know. I don't know if I have – when when's the next game that I cover? I think, God, it's going to be a hot minute before I go get to cover another one. But, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be all around. You can't get rid of me if you're following the Preds. If you're on hockey Twitter, then you're stuck with me. So, YouTube television stuff used to be I haven't done radio in a little bit articles sorry you're stuck <laughs>
1: i like it i like it uh what about you a to z sports charlie burris
2: a to z sports specifically on the youtube channel that's where i would direct people you can follow me on twitter but that's do that at your own risk i guess um yeah a, a to z just type in a to z sports on youtube there are the show's been blowing up big orange podcast go listen to it. And then game, game day show too. But if you click on the YouTube page on A to Z, it'll come up. Don't
0: worry. Yeah. It's it great stuff. There was a really like, I don't know. He, he, the question sounded like it came from like a really incredibly handsome dude, but asking about, you know, <laughs> and his, his longevity. So I mean, yeah. yeah, that's the type of high quality, you know, viewers that Charlie's show gets. Cause it's just, again, this guy, I don't know about handsome, maybe extremely tall stuff like that, but yeah, mm-hmm. just, it was a really good one. And there's lots of that stuff. And, all in all seriousness, it's I, I've it's my routine now. I did it, you know, the first couple times just out of a kind of a courtesy thing. And now I'm like, now I have to listen to it all the time. So uh, thank you for taking <laughs> another hour out of my life or so there, Charlie, after games. I appreciate that. I yeah, no genuinely problem.
2: I really do. That's
0: yeah, it's yeah. it's just because usually the adrenaline's not gone. Um know that adrenaline if if something happens the miracle happens or you know something bad happens either way i've got the predators in vancouver to to wash it all down with at eight so (laughs) oh great (laughs) yeah it's either going to be a nice come down like you know like i'm in a music festival and i'm just kind of chilling out or it's going to be like you know what like you know uh, you know this new girlfriend is is not working out for me so i want to go back to the old one who was also abusive but just not as much so and so you know it's one of those
1: two things uh but hopefully Man. they both win let's hope. hope so let's hope but tennessee right. first yeah tennessee first uh charlie burris brian bastin thank you as always uh let's ride this weekend let's ride all right let's, go ball. let's ride let's go ride. balls go balls